When a follower of Vecna saved the universe. Obligatory not D&D. Pathfinder 2E. This is going to be quite the story. It was with a large party, and there's a lot of events that informed the decisions that eventually led to the moment. There's some out-of-character activities and discussion involved as well. I'll do what I can to show when we swap between IC and OOC. First off, the setting was Wildmount. Reflavored to work for Pathfinder. We were on a small homebrew island called Petalita, which is somewhere the Dwendalian Empire occasionally sends death row prisoners. Something important for this story is that Petalita has no contact with the outside world, other than a monthly skyship that drops off aforementioned prisoners, and even that is a one-way contact. The island is overrun by undead, and only a single small city, Toit, remains standing. But with the situation as it is, it won't survive the winter. And our group was meant to fight off one or two zombies and then die. Now for the main characters. The GM, William slash Zinker's player. Olaf the bloody human barbarian, a schizophrenic barbarian with a love for torture. Senna, flesh warp cleric, a follower of the Raven Queen, and the only character originally in the party that went to Petalita voluntarily, rather than as a prisoner. William, human tiefling hybrid psychic, a ten-year-old who grew up in Toit, hated by everyone because of his tail and his pitch-black eyes. Fiery, fire spirit kineticist, a fire spirit that was accidentally summoned to the material plane when a ritual went wrong. More about that in a moment. Izumi Fan, human monk, white bread weeb character, and also problem player. Zinker Whiskers, catfolk thaumaturge, William's second character, and a member of Cobalt Soul, the catalyst for the main event. And lastly, Rakis Tichad, Tingu Witch, a disgraced cult leader of Vecna played by yours truly, and the main character of this story. Of the non-PC characters that are important to the story is Loon, Elite Elder Wormwraith and Overarching BBEG. Elris Windshadow, Elf and the Guard Captain of Toit. Some Dampiers, likely intended to be the BBEGs for the first campaign. I forgot their names. Sorry, GM. Grill, an undead raven whose rekiss is familiar. Now for the story. It's going to be a long one. The first real thing that led to the main event was that William had knocked down a building during our first combat encounter. In an infested town right outside of Toit. Rakis, being an expert in undead, told everyone to flee back to Toit, due to the noise the collapse made being sure to attract a proper horde. Anyone who wasn't out of their current predicament, within a minute would be considered dead. Back in Toit, Olaf began flirting with Rakis. This took Rakis by surprise, because she's quite frankly hideous for Tingu's standards, and well aware of it. I face-claimed famine from RuneScape for her, if you want to know how bad it is. This led to Rakis falling in love with Olaf pretty quickly. A bit later on, the damn peers kidnapped Olaf and cut off his beard in one of his fingers and sent it all in a box to Rakis, who at this point was considered the party tactician, to force us into dialogue. Before they went, Rakis asked Vecna, through Grill, how to handle the vampires. I rolled very high on my lore check, so Vecna answered through Grill with the vampires are not the real enemy and gave Rakis a vision of Loon. It turned out that they were looking for some freaky kid who turned out not to be William. So they bothered us for literally no reason, and then they began provoking us, belittling us, berating us for mistakes, until they got to Senna. They asked her, and who do you follow? To which Senna replied, I'm a follower of the Matron of Ravens. In this setting, the followers of the Raven Queen had committed actual genocide against the vampires. So now these damn peers were vengeful and needed us to die. The GM had to deus ex us out of that one. 
By having Grill off-screen provoke an ancient red dragon into following him, scaring both us and the damn peers away. I planned to tell the rest of the group about Loon in character, but must have forgotten for one reason or another. Anyway, more time passed, and we eventually were sent to conquer a small homestead. We were all very excited about this, looking forward to turning this homestead into a player home. At this point, Rakis had become the official group leader, and we were starting to give the people of Toyd hope, especially because we conquered half the homestead in in-universe 20 minutes. Then we retreated to the freshly conquered barn and rested. There were character interactions, both between the players and between us and some allied NPCs we had gotten. Rakis was promising William to teach him to better control his powers, and she was in a good position to actually do this. When the party woke up the next day, Rakis reminded everyone that undead are mainly attracted by lights, sounds, and movement, and that there's a huge horde not so far from the next place we were going to strike. Grill, who had been scouting, also informed us that one of them was visibly intelligent, so we had to be extra careful. We managed to sneak into the main buildings of the homestead and start looking around for a way to get upstairs, and Izumi promptly kicks in one of the doors. In moments, our building is surrounded. Despite losing the tactical advantage, we managed to defend ourselves in the living room against wave after wave of undead. Finally, we were exhausted but near victory, when Fiery panicked and unleashed a massive pillar of fire. Rikis immediately ordered a retreat, as the homestead was now lost. There was a lot of out-of-character conversation between the players between this, and the start of the next session. At first, it was even considered a total campaign loss, since without this homestead, everyone would starve to death. But the GM managed to find a solution. We did three major screw-ups, collapsing a building, telling Dampiers that one of us follows the Raven Queen, and being very unstealthy during a stealth mission. So three of us, and most of our NPC allies would be killed. The three that died were William, Olaf, and Izumi. Rakis was emotionally a wreck. The closest thing she had to a family in 30 years was taken from her, and she got to look them in the eyes as they died. Izumi's player also got kicked from the group for refusing to learn from mistakes and being a general OOC nuisance. But we got a new player, who unfortunately isn't relevant to the story. When the party returned to Toyd, and we had informed Elris of what had happened, and Rakis finally telling the rest of the party about Loon, and how she was sure that Loon's goal was to kill Vecna, take his position, then kill the Raven Queen, and then with all the souls in existence move on to all the other gods. Rakis also got a desperate idea at the same time. Send Grill with a written note to the airship that was dropping off prisoners. So she and Senna sat down to write it together. A desperate plea for help, giving the outside world knowledge of the situation, as well as the knowledge that if Toit fell, the world would end. First, Senna rolled to write, rolled a 6 with a plus 4 modifier, then Rakis rolled to correct it, rolled a 19 with a plus 7 modifier, and Grills successfully got the note to the right person. In character and out of character, I expected this to not lead to anything more than some supplies, so we could survive the winter, and maybe a couple extra troops as well. After a short out-of-character break to get some food, the new characters arrived. The only one important to the story being Zinkur. Zinkur was sent by the Cobalt Soul because of the note, and the rest of what's important in the story happens out of character. I was preparing for being in an awful situation. Everyone despises us and all that. Rakis was retaining intimidation into warfare lore, so to actually make use of that, I was studying medieval warfare out of character, while also considering how best to starve a kobold warren to strong-arm them into aiding us. Then me and Zinkur's player had a call. In this call, he made me truly realize that the Cobalt Soul, a group dedicated to making information public, had information about an apocalyptic threat. I don't remember what exactly he said, but I told that to the GM a bit later, 
The GM was completely quiet for a full minute as he realized the implications. The entire world was going to declare war on Loon now. Already warring nations were going to set up temporary truces, and Loon had no way of knowing because she'd yet to expand outside of Petalita. We have now been told that the next campaign is the last one, and that even if we TPK, we still win. And we only get that session because the player that replaced Izumi was brand new, and we want him to actually experience combat. Loon was supposed to have been the overarching villain of five to six campaigns, each lasting around a dozen levels. We're not even halfway through level one in the first campaign. We apparently get to be level two for the final session. The GM has declared that he doesn't want us to win at all at level one. I really like the campaign setting. A hopeless now win situation that's almost certain death for your party. I wonder how the campaign would have gone if they had rolled poorly on getting that note out to the outside world. It's always a win when the players manage to foil the GM's plan in a genuine non-meta game, non-hostile way. Share your stories about outsmarting your GM. Before we take our leave, don't forget to subscribe to our channel All Things D&D. Stay tuned for more amazing Dungeons & Dragons content every Tuesday.